Greetings and welcome to another episode of Credo Podcast, the place where Catholic truth stands strong in a world filled with relativism. I'm Father Peter Deganzik. You know, it's Lent right now, and during Lent there are so many good things that happen. It really is amazing to me sometimes how many people get entrenched in a Lenten experience, how many people will come out for different things, for the different retreats parishes have, or like here we're having those healing holy hours every Monday night. I think it's an important thing for people to always do that self-examination during Lent. And people, I, I think they do a great job of that, I really do. So many people work so hard at trying to become that better person, that holy person, that moral person. Today I'd like to discuss part two, I guess I could say, of what I started last week on repent, on, on the sacrament of confession. But first, let's say a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the source of all grace, you are the source of all blessing, and you are truth, the truth that we love, the truth that we appreciate, the truth that we need to truly be your disciples and your children. Help us to always discover that truth through the power of your Holy Spirit, Help us always to live that truth through the gift of your grace. And most especially, Lord, help us one day to stay strong in this world of relativism so that one day we may reign with you who are Lord forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the aspects of the sacrament of confession is appreciating our own actions. Having a much deeper appreciation for what actually constitutes sin and how to understand or how can we come to the realization that a particular action we committed was sinful. I find one of the things that people probably struggle with the most is this particular dimension of our Catholic teaching. The Catechism is very clear on what constitutes the morality of an act. It's in actually paragraph 1749 and following. It's actually entitled The Morality of Human Acts. I think one of the things that we do struggle with is correctly understanding this, and a lot of it does come from a lot of the psychobabble that has crept into the church, a lot of the proportionalism, the consequentialism, the intentionalism, all of these other isms that have crept into the minds of even some priests and theologians and have tainted people's appreciation for the truth. Now, it was John Paul II who put forward a document called Veritatis Splendor, The Splendor of Truth, and the reason he did it was to try to combat some of these errors, to try to work on correcting this mistaken understanding. And God bless him, he did such a fantastic job. From that, we get the New Catechism. And the New Catechism had come out in the 90s. And this particular section tries to help us to understand so that when we do approach the sacrament of, of reconciliation, when we go to confession, we're able to really appreciate the depth of our own actions and what does constitute ultimately a good or an evil act. In this particular section, it talks about what needs to be in terms of our evaluation, what needs to be looked at. And the three fonts, the three acts, the three things that we should be looking at is the object chosen, the end in view or the intention, and this is the one I wanna talk about a little bit more today, the and the circumstances of the action. It says clearly, the object, the intention, and the circumstances make up the sources or constitutive ele elements of the morality of human acts. 
Now, I've talked many a time about the object of the act, and the object of the act is that which it is in itself before anything else. So what is it that I am rationally choosing? What is the thing that I have, the, the thing itself, the act itself that I am going to do? Forget about intentions, forget about circumstances, forget about all the other things. What is the act in itself? And as the Catechism says, the object chosen is a good toward which the will deliberately directs itself. It has to do with the will, and that's key. Now, I said this before. I, I actually said this when I was teaching some seminarians. Yes, there are intrinsically evil acts, acts that no matter when they're done, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the intentions, are intrinsically evil. They are always wrong. They're always evil acts. Now, culpability might be a question that we could raise, separate question, but the act itself is always going to be evil. So the killing of an innocent human being can never be justified. The killing of an innocent human being is always an intrinsic evil. That's the object chosen. Now, again, the circumstances or intention could mitigate some culpability, whole separate question. What I do want to talk about today, though, is this whole problem of intention, because I think the world today always goes back to expressions like, oh, well, he had good intentions. Well, he had good intentions to kill that innocent human being. Doesn't make it any better. There are acts that are good acts that are always the good towards which we should will ourselves. But a bad intention could take that good act, that good end, and Render it evil because our intentions can do that to a good. I say this because there's a lot of people who get wrapped up in the whole thing of intention. And I think, as I was saying last week, when it comes to coming to confession, why so many people will come to confession and want to give all the circumstances and want to give all of the information and want to spend all of this time trying to convince me that what they did was somehow justified when indeed it's a sin. So this is something I want everybody who hears these words to appreciate. The intention is important. It is very important, but it's what resides in the acting person. So here's, here's what it says in the Catechism. Because it lies at the voluntary source of an action and determines it by its end, intention is an element essential to the moral evaluation of an action. The end, or the intention, is the first goal of the intention and indicates the purpose pursued in the action. The intention is a movement of the will toward the end. It is concerned with the goal of the activity. Now, people will say to me, oh, I have a good intention. Again, the good intention can change an evil act. But we need to intend the good. What is the end that we have in sight? What is the object we are rationally choosing? So there always has to be that good. See, here's where people get confused. Intention is not choice. Choice is not something that is, you know, free. We don't make free choices. Our will is what is free. And our will is given the freedom to do the good, the true, and the beautiful. And so when we evaluate our intentions, our intentions are important. The catechism is making that very clear. We need to be driven toward a good. We need to intend the good or the good of another. But we can do a good thing for a bad reason, for a bad intention. We could have a good end in sight for you know, the example that I've used before 
I had some young people that wanted to go on one of these mission trips. And I said, oh, well, that's a really good thing. They wanted to do something that was a good to help poor people, to go and feed and clothe and shelter poor people. And so they were going to go on this mission trip, and it was a wonderful thing. And then one of them, when I was talking to them later on, I said, so, so are you excited about going on this mission trip? Or, you know, do, you, do you look forward to helping the poor? And I got a puzzled look from her, and she said, well, I'm doing this so I can put something on my resume for college. Her intention was self-aggrandizement. Her intention was to bolster her own future. Now, maybe deep down inside, there was some spark in there that she wanted to help the poor, that she wanted to feed the, and clothe the naked, do the works of mercy. But that intention tainted the act. That intention can taint the act. So we need to understand that intentions, while they're important and always need to be right-ordered, Intentions also need to be looked at when we're evaluating anything we do. Now, someone may say to me, you know, well, I'm going to do that good thing. I'm going to feed the poor. I'm going to, and I do it for a bad intention. It doesn't really take away the good of feeding the poor and clothing the naked. It, it doesn't change that good, but what it changes is the moral culpability. So going back to the beginning, the intention resides in the acting subject. It's what the, the, the person themselves is willing, is, you know, it's what they're intending. So the good still remains in the act, but the intention is what changes the culpability of the act and can change something that, you know, we, we need to understand. So um, the catechism goes on in 1753 to say, a good intention does not make behavior that is intrinsically disordered, such as lying or calumny, good or just. The end does not justify the means. Thus, the condemnation of an innocent person cannot be justified as a legitimate means of saving the nation. On the other hand, an added bad intention, such as vainglory, makes an evil, makes an evil act that, in and of itself, can be good, such as almsgiving. So, as I've been saying here, as I just summarized, we always have to be very careful about our intention. So we need to have the good in sight. We need to have an object that is good. We need to have an end that is good. And we also have to appreciate that there are these secondary um, elements of a moral act, the circumstances. Now, a lot of people, like I said last week, a lot of people want to make the circumstances everything. It's secondary. They can, it, what the, the Catechism says in 1754 the circumstances contribute to increasing or diminishing the moral goodness or evil of human acts. They also can diminish or increase the agent's responsibility. Circumstances of themselves cannot change the moral quality of acts themselves. They can, they can make neither good nor right an action that is in itself evil. So explaining and explaining and explaining all the, the, the circumstances around why I did something doesn't change what I did. And so that's what I, when I say, when you go to confession, be succinct. Don't have to give all the, the background and the backstory and all the other stuff. If it was wrong, it was wrong. Embrace that. Change that. Repent of that. See, he, here's, here's, here's the part that the world has so influenced us. We really do believe that you know, there's this greater good mentality. We really do believe that there are circumstances that can mitigate everything, but they really don't. 
And so I could, and I could talk about this for days on end because I think this is, especially why I started this podcast, this is one of the reasons that I give all the time. This relativism, and that's what all of this consequentialism, all of this proportionalism, all of this circumstances, all of these things, these are what have crept in from the relativistic world. The dictatorship of relativism wants us to pay all, all of our attention on that and forget that we're, no, we're supposed to be pursuing the good in and of itself. The good is ordained by God. The good to which we conform our wills, our lives, and that good which is given us by God himself. So, please, my dear brothers and sisters, understand that we need to be people of truth. We need to be people that are constantly seeking and searching. We're on, we're on the way. We're not there yet. We need to keep understanding and keep asking and keep examining and keep discerning because we're not there yet. If the whole world were to just once, just once, everybody in the world, just once, stop and ask, what is it that I'm doing? What is the object of my act? What is my true intention? Is my true intention a good intention? Well, then I think this world would start to become a better place overnight. So each and every person, do your part to ensure that you are always seeking the good, the true, and the beautiful. As always, I'd ask that you do me a favor, share this podcast with others. If you like what you've heard especially, make sure that the word gets out. Do subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are hearing this. And always remember that prayer is an essential part of this whole journey, this whole process. So I ask you to keep me in your prayers, and I will assure you that I always pray for you because I know that if you're hearing my words, there's something in your heart that says, I want to be better, I want to be holy, and that's not going to happen without our mutual support for one another. And so as I conclude this podcast today, I also call upon the Almighty Father in heaven to shed his blessings upon you, who he, for he is the Lord, he is the giver of life, he is the giver of truth, and through his blessings, we can truly become the good, holy, and wonderful people he created us to be. And so I ask God now to bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.